Yolanda Montoya Cordova is a board member for Albuquerque Public Schools, or APS, which is the largest school district in New Mexico and one of the largest school districts in the country. Ms. Montoya Cordova is the secretary for the Board of Education, and she represents District 1 and Albuquerque South Valley. Now, my co-host, Gianna Ramirez, speaks with Yolanda Montoya Cordova. This is Gianna Ramirez with Generation Justice, and I'm speaking with Yolanda Montoya Cordova, Secretary of the Board of Education for Albuquerque Public Schools. Ms. Montoya Cordova, welcome to Generation Justice. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this interview. Tell us a little bit more about yourself. I'd love to. My name is Yolanda Montoya Cordova. Uh, I'm a native of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Grew up in the South Valley. Uh, attended all of the schools in the South Valley. I was uh, started out with Kit Carson Elementary, Ernie Pyle Middle School, and then a graduate from Rio Grande High School. I also attended the University of New Mexico. Uh, got my undergrad degree here. It was predominantly in education. I focused on deaf education and special ed. And then uh, for a short period of time, moved away and lived in El Paso, uh, Texas, where I subsequently went to uh, graduate school and got a master's degree in social work. So my background is predominantly in uh, working in children's mental health issues, adolescent health, and uh, program development. Thank you. Give us an understanding of what the Board of Education is responsible for. You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I was fortunate enough to be elected into uh, this position to represent District 1, which is the South Valley, which happens to be my community where I grew up. Being a board member, a school board member, is really an important task because it's an opportunity for the community to have a voice and representation on decisions around public school and how the school district is going to operate. Uh, there's, uh, there's seven of us and we're responsible for reviewing policy, budgets, and uh, helping to guide the district overall in some of its decision making on how to operate our public school system in Albuquerque. The fall semester for APS officially starts this week. Um, please give us an explanation of the APS reentry plan. The reentry plan was something that we had to develop in response to a request from public ed. So all public school districts were required to come up with a strategy of how we would operate uh, given the pandemic. It pretty much proposes three scenarios. One, the red scenario or a full online scenario, meaning that infection is still too high in the community and we need to remain in a virtual learning environment. The second is a hybrid model or a hybrid approach where we might be coming back into the classroom, but we would only come into the classroom, one, if infection rates are low and they're down, but it still means that there's still a rise or there's still concern about COVID. And so the entry would be um, a hybrid approach with me. We might not bring everybody back all at the same time. And the plan describes how that would be done. We would have, you know, half of the student body, like 50% because we would go with like maybe A through M for the first part and then the rest of the alphabet for the second part. 
Um, and what APS is proposing is four days on in the classroom and then the next week the students would be home while the other students are in the classroom with the whole intention of trying to, to keep uh, that social distancing and making sure that we're not creating spread. And then the third option is just full blown, you know, like school as normal, we call it the green. Um, and that's the goal, right? We all want to make sure that we can get back into a school uh, environment where it's face-to-face -face and students can be back together. We can have our teachers and we can have that robust day-to-day -day interaction of what we know public schools to be like. So the plan outlines those three types of scenarios and gives ideas of how they would work. Yeah, thank you for that information. We know that you have a background in working in public health, but I'm curious, who are the scientists or public health leaders that are informing and working with APS during COVID-19? So that's a really great question, Deanna, because the way that the Board of Education, as well as the staff at APS are, are getting uh, their information or their guidance is also in partnership with the Department of Health. And so the governor's office and the state agency, the Department of Health, are also informing and giving guidance around what we call a gating criteria. And that means like it's giving us guidance around what we know of what the infection rate is. Uh, the governor just had a press conference, for example, and Dr. Scrace, who's with the Human Services Department, sort of outlined what it looks like in our community right now. So for schools, for public schools, we rely on those scientists that are doing that. So the Department of Health is made up of epidemiologists, it's made up of medical doctors, infectious disease control folks who are experts who are watching that very closely. And I'm pretty proud of our state uh, because I feel like they've done a really good job of being transparent with the community about where our spread is. I think our governor has done a good job of telling us, yes, we can open, no, we have to close, and has given us a lot of good guidance on how you know, we as citizens can play our part in addressing this pandemic and what's happening, and giving us an idea of where those hotspots are, because there's a wonderful dashboard that tells us how many tests and where our hotspots are in our city. So, that's the information that we're relying on as a school district to help us with our decision making as well. Yeah, the transparency and information has definitely been clear and important in our state. So how will schools be held accountable for ensuring that they are compliant with the safety measures set by the CDC and also the state of New Mexico? It's important to know that that reentry plan has all of those uh, guidances in place for principals and teachers. It outlines what our expectations are, but some really important expectations that we have is making sure that teachers are wearing a mask, that they're, you know, that we're putting social distancing in place, frequent hand washing, and not coming to work if you're feeling sick. Um, but we're also going to be doing some health checks. Uh, with young people as well, um, the students as they're coming in, doing temperature checks and making sure that they're healthy and well. And for students when, if they do show up and they're not well or a teacher shows up and they're not well, we're also setting up like isolation rooms so that we can isolate them and make sure 
you know, that they can go out and get tested. Um, and once they get tested, making sure that, you know, they're not coming until they're clear. And if we do have a positive, closing back down, doing the quarantine, so following all of those processes so that we can assure that we're not gonna create a spread um, in that school and, and infect other kids. You know, I'm really concerned about that because this is education and it's not just like impacting one young person or one teacher, it's impacting that school community. And so we do need to work together as a community to remain healthy, to put good practices in place, you know, and just that social agreement that we're gonna take care of each other by wearing our masks, being socially distanced, and following the guidance that's being given out nationally about how we can protect ourselves and protect our neighbors. So I attended the last school board meeting and I wanted to know how much of an impact did student and teacher input have in making your decisions? Oh man, um, I know for me personally, and I can speak for myself as a board member, I can't speak for the entire board. Um, that's one of the agreements that we have as being a board member. I don't you know, represent what everyone else does. Um, what I can tell you is I really appreciated the numerous emails that I received from teachers, students, community members who were concerned and reading their concerns um, definitely had an impact on me. I was listening to what they were saying and what their concerns were. Um, as you were attending that meeting, I'm sure you heard each of us individually sort of state our concerns, you know, like, you know, we're hearing from our constituents, they're not feeling confident, they're still a little nervous and worried about it. And I think by listening to those concerns, what it does for me as a board member is it helps me to direct my questions back to the staff um, to help address some of those concerns. So, for example, um, I did have some questions about, will there be enough protective gear, PPE on site? How is that gonna happen? So I directed that question so I could make sure that if people were listening like you, that they could see, yes, she did listen to my emails or asking questions, what are we gonna do in the event of a positive you know, student or teacher on a campus? What about the HVAC system? So. Um, I'm the representative for my constituents, and so I need to listen to their voices and then make sure that I'm bringing those questions forward uh, during a board meeting. Yeah, thank you for that answer. So as we know, Black, Indigenous, and POC folks suffer a higher percentage of COVID cases and death. Mm -hmm. What is APS doing to ensure race equity is at the forefront of your decisions? You know, that's a really difficult question because it, you know, it's larger than just APS, right? I mean, we know that social determinants of health are really critical. I work also as the Deputy Secretary for Workforce Solutions, and what we're also seeing is there are a number of people that don't want to go back to work because they have underlying health conditions, and underlying health conditions definitely seem to be higher in our communities that are marginalized. Um, I think it's a lack of access to healthcare, it's a lack of access to good food, access to, to good health promotion. And so from a school board perspective, we want to make sure, one, that we have access to good uh, school nursing, uh, I think is really critical so that 
if a student is showing up and not feeling well, one, we can address that. I think the other thing that um, we put in place too, and I'm really excited about this because this is a state initiative, is really changing how families can get access to like Medicaid, TANF and SNAP programs all in one stop. And so APS is gonna be one of those one-stop uh, places to be able to make sure that we're also addressing that, that lens or that need for access to social services. I'm a public health walk on the, on the back end, school health is important. Um, so I do know that part of what we're also doing with this pandemic is making sure you know, that we're attending to the social emotional needs as a result of this trauma. Uh, we know some families, especially our families of color have really been impacted a lot harder. Families are losing jobs. So they're really concerned about food insecurity, job insecurity, and that just creates a whole hardship um, that could also create some major disruptions for family life. And so with the reentry plan, there's a huge emphasis on social emotional learning and making sure that we're connecting first and foremost with families and students to identify what their needs are first before we just jump into the academics. Um, so that's gonna be the whole core or nexus of everything that they're doing first. Teachers are gonna be required to talk to parents, meet their students and sort of build that relationship and identify where the needs are and the gaps are so that we can connect them with those other social services um, that hopefully we can find and create with our community partners. Yeah, I really appreciate that. So talk to us a little bit about the personal level of responsibility that is being put on education administrators and educators now that we have to live with COVID. Oh man, you know, as I received the emails from teachers and administrators, you definitely can hear the pain in their hearts around the fact that they can't be face-to-face -face with their students. I think education is about relationships and it's also social and it's a very emotional thing. Um, I think that's why it's been so difficult for us in our country as we're trying to redesign how we think about education and how we go about doing this. And I think it's really painful for our teachers and our, you know, and our principals and administrators because they know they're having to give up a part of the way that they've always done things. And I think they're so worried about that relationship loss with parents and students. And so I do worry about that part for them. Um, but I also hear from them a sense of hope. There's a, there's a glimmer of hope and enthusiasm for like, how can we make this better? You know, we had to go so quickly when the pandemic first hit, we moved people out, we just got kids home and you know, it was a crisis. And so I think APS rose to the occasion on that crisis. You know, there was a lot of things that we did well, there's a lot of good lessons that we learned. And so the administrators, the principals, the teachers, everybody is looking at those now and saying, how can we make this experience better? Because we know we're gonna have to shift out or we're gonna have to be online and virtual, uh, but we wanna make sure that we're still able to do something, you know, to give a good quality education and good quality connection to our students. Um, so I hear them feeling sad, but I also, I also see them rising to the occasion um, and wanting to come up with strategies that are gonna work. Yeah, this time has definitely brought 
some new challenges, but that hope can definitely have a lot of benefits and sometimes outshine those challenges. I agree with you 100%. You know, that's a great summary. You know, and we as citizens just have to have that same sense of hope, right? It is hard and it's been tough, but I'm happy to hear you say that because it gives me a sense of hope too that, you know, young people are going to feel hopeful with us as we move through this. Is there anything else you would like to add? One thing that I would like to add and, you know, have the community understand is that, you know, the first and foremost important um, thing on our brains or thought in our brains right now as a school board and as a school district is that health and safety of our children, our students and our staff and the community. Um, we know how important education is to the well-being of our children. We know that and we love that and we really want to foster that. What I love most about APS is our diversity and our diversity of our programs. And yet it's also become one of our greatest challenges as we're trying to put in a new way of doing school because it's hard to take all of that diversity and put it into this one process, you know, virtual learning. And how do you still keep all of those wonderful programs? How do we really bring that into the space? Um, but I, I think what I want the listeners to know and understand is we're really concerned about the health and safety of our children. We don't want anyone to, to get seriously ill, and we don't want to lose anyone uh, to this disease because we're either too complacent and we just say, yes, we can go into the classroom or open. And I, I know in my heart, I, I can't do that. I worry about every student as if they were my own child, and I want to make sure that they're healthy and well, and that my community continues to stay healthy and well, and we continue to thrive. Thank you so much for being here. Your position is so important and it's definitely difficult, especially with COVID. And so, you know, this information can be so important for our community to know and get some assurance with just all the craziness going on, but we really do appreciate it. And I want to thank you, Gianna, too, for your um, leadership in this because communication is important and you can have so much impact with young people Right now, one of the concerns we have is just young people taking the virus seriously, wearing a mask, staying socially distanced. And so, you know, your voice and your work on this, on this particular topic can be critically helpful to all of us as we try to assure the safety of everyone. So thank you so much for your leadership in this as well. Thank you so much for that. For Generation Justice, I'm Gianna Ramirez. Thank you, Yolanda Montoya Cordova, for all of your work with young people. I know that health is such a big idea, especially in the South Valley, which is also my home. All I want is the best for the South Valley. So your work speaks volumes to me because I am a native New Mexican and I grew up in the beautiful South Valley. I want to say thank you for advocating for the youth. Thank you again, Yolanda. We want to bring you some music with a message for all of us dealing with COVID and education. Here is Fearless by Lost Sky featuring Chris Linton. <laughs> 